HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. All in the Industry is sponsored by Pop Menu, which helps turn first-time guests into regulars for your restaurant. For a limited time, get $100 off your first month at popmenu.com slash hrn. This episode is brought to you by Diageo Bar Academy. Learn more at diageobaracademy.com. That's D-I-A-G-E-O baracademy.com. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and it is Wednesday, June 2nd, 2021. This is our 290th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talent in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is a legendary pizziolo known as the Pizza Pope, and I will introduce him fully in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip, and then later we will have my speed round game, my solo dining experience, and the final question. And then at the end of the show, we're going to have my special industry news segment from the South Beach Wine and Food Festival 2021. I have an interview with Gotham Burger Social Club's Mike Puma, who is one of the winners of this year's Burger Bash. So stay tuned for that. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. Today's tip is to follow your obsession. Whatever it may be, a vocation, sport, hobby, or something else, if you're passionate about it, then it's worth pursuing. We owe it to ourselves to follow our dreams and focus on what makes us the most happy. So let's use our obsessiveness as a motivator, knowing that it can lead to accomplishing amazing things. That's my tip today. Now I'm thrilled to have my guest joining me. It is Anthony Mangieri, the chef and owner of Una Pizza Napolitana, a pioneer of Neapolitan style pizza in the United States. A native of New Jersey, Anthony grew up in a close-knit Italian-American family and developed a pizza obsession from a young age. Since opening his pizzeria in Point Pleasant Beach, New Jersey in 1996, he has relocated to Manhattan's East Village, San Francisco, and back to New York City's Lower East Side, and he now has opened a second location in New Jersey's Atlantic Highlands. 
Anthony has single-handedly made more than 700,000 pizzas and counting, and he's been featured across media platforms, including Good Morning America, the Food Network Top 5, plus a recurring role on Showtime's Billions. Without further ado, Anthony, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, no, thank you. I'm I'm so I'm so honored and excited to talk with you because I've I've had your pizza many times and I'm a huge fan, but we've, you know, we haven't really um chatted much. I think I might have met you at one of your locations before, but um it was brief. So, yeah, um Yeah, so um, let's let's start out a bit uh, with your background in this obsession with pizza. Um, when when exactly did you get hooked on it and and know it was like what you wanted to do with your career and 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 life? Gosh, well, I mean, you know, I grew up like um, you know in an as you said like in an Italian American family, so there was you know the 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 culture side of things was already there, like connected with like pizza and pasta and stuff. Um, and at a really young age, I just fell in love with pizza uh, long before I wanted to, as many people probably do, and especially kids, I, I just loved pizza in general. It was my favorite food um, from as far back as anyone can remember. I think there's even a book my sister had put together of like, you know, family photographs and first words and all this. And one of my first lines was like, you know, you know, hammer and uh, me love pizza or something. So it's like, <laughs> I was either going to be a carpenter or a pizza maker, I guess. Um, and I started, uh, I started just going deeper into it. You know, I, I was really into punk rock music and skateboarding and, all those kind of things in the eighties um, along with at the same time, you know, trying to, you know, learn more about my family heritage and Italian food. And one of those things being pizza and it just slowly built little by little. Um, and when I started, I never thought that it would like lead to anything, you know, where it has like to even be in a, in a position where we could be talking about this stuff right now. Um, yeah. So it's been, it's been an amazing journey. It's, I started really getting serious with making pizza probably around the age of 15 or so. Um, and then by the time I got out of high school, I was pretty much consumed with it. So how did you, how did you learn how to make pizza? Did you work in any other pizzerias? Did you have any mentors? You know, I would say, uh, no, I didn't really work in any other pizzerias. Um, I would say mentors, you know, I'm going to use that term to kind of like describe like, you know, pizzerias were almost my mentors. Back uh, when I started, I mean, it wasn't really, there wasn't any kind of like way to learn how to make pizza um, unless you worked in a pizzeria. And what I was chasing after really didn't exist in America. So I, I, you know, I didn't really feel myself drawn to those places to learn, although I was obsessed with going to some of the classic, you know, well-known pizzerias of the days, you know, starting with Patsy Grimaldi, who I was a big fan of and became very close with later in life, um, Frank Pepe's and New Haven, Totono's and Coney Island, 
Um, I loved Maruca's in uh, Seaside, New Jersey, um, De Lorenzo's in Trenton. I mean, there was a, a handful of great places. And I kind of think of all those places in a way as my mentors. Um, and I just read a lot. I, I, you know, I spent a lot of time at the county library and, you know, in a way saying it now, it seems so archaic and bizarre that that's how you would start a career. But back then, you know, there wasn't a lot of options. I was going to go to cooking school. Um, my mom took me up to Johnson and Wales in Rhode Island for an orientation. And, you know, and I just mm-hmm. felt like it wasn't going to be what I wanted to do. So I, I ended up not doing that. And I just kind of did it the, the, the slower way, um, which was how I just described. Yeah. Well, and I also had read that your mom kindly drove you around to all the well-known pizzerias in the tri-state. Yeah. So. yeah. Yeah. I mean, I basically spent all my free time with my mom and grandma. So that can give you a tip into my dating life back then. <laughs> <laughs> all I wanted to do was eat pizza and hang out with my mom and my 80 year old grandmother <gasps> and my name was Anthony. Wow. <laughs> uh-huh. um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was amazing. Like she was, she was always supportive of me and my grandmother also, and they would just like, you know, drive me around and, you know, it was, it was interesting back then too, you know, thinking back to it is, um, you know, I was scared to ask any pizza makers anything. And I mean, it just wasn't the way things were. So, you know, I would go to these places and I would eat, but I would, it would never cross my mind to even like dare to go up to them and ask them anything, you know, I, so it was, you know, you had to learn almost by just going to these places over and over and trying to just little by little figure out what was going on along with just reading and stuff. It was, it was so different than now we're like, you know, there's so many, uh, you know, things available. And I mean, I think that's why pizza's gotten so great now, you know, because, you know, the, the, the information is out there now. So people are really just getting to a great place fast and then going further with it, which is great. Yeah, absolutely. So you opened your first place in 1996. Uh, what, I mean, what was that experience like? And, and was it, was it a hit at the very beginning? Cause I know your New York city location in the East village was exactly that. There was a, you know, always a line, very hard to get into um, really successful. Yeah. Um, thanks. Um, no, it wasn't a big hit. Um, I mean, <laughs> yeah, when I opened, I was next to a Seven Eleven and a sports bar and a hair salon at the Jersey shore. I mean, you got to put yourself into 1996 era. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, most people thought I was from outer space. Um, and they didn't get it. They, I mean, and I was so, I was so full of my ideas then and my, my, you know, my wherewithal on what I believed we, you know, I didn't slice it. I, I just, there was no compromising at all. And at at that time it was such a foreign idea. Um, no, it wasn't very successful in the beginning. Um, and then it got a little bit of success. Um, a woman that had written about, uh, my bread bakery, uh, before that had found me and, wrote another story about the pizza and that got it going a little bit. Um, but then it sort of teetered off and it was also a very seasonal location. So in the winter, I mean, it was really, really deserted there. I was, it was very like 
really truly like windswept. It was almost right across the street from the ocean. And, you know, so it would be, it would be pretty dead all winter. I'd be open just on the weekends, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and slowly, slowly, slowly over many years, um, I started to build up like a, a very small, extremely supportive clientele that many of them are still supporting me to this day and, you know, flown out to California and have been to all my, my, my uh, versions of Una. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah I, it's beautiful. Yeah, no, it, it is. And so, so for people who haven't had your pizza, like how do you define your style? I know we're saying uh, Neapolitan style pizza. And I also know that you're, and I mean, you, you just mentioned it, how you're, you know, you don't, you don't allow for maybe for any substitutions. It's like your way and, um, and no slices. Is that right too? Just, um, whole pies. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I would say I'm not as, I'm not as hardcore as I was back then. I'm probably a little more (laughs) softened up a little bit. Age age and having a kid does that to you. Um, but I still, you know, I still try to, you know, hope that people come in with an open heart and an open mind and experience it for the way that we make it. Um, you know, I, I'm a big believer in general in, you know, letting the chef kind of steer your dining experience. Um, and that obviously if you come in and you're like, I can't, I can't eat garlic, I'm going to drop dead, then we'll make you a pizza without garlic. But overall, I tend to be a believer in letting, you know, the restaurant kind of steer your experience. And that's sort of why you would go into a place, you know, and if you don't like the way they do it, then there's so many options. You could go somewhere else. So that's sort of always been my approach. Now I word it probably in a little more of a, a gentle way than I used to. Um, <laughs> but uh, as far as describing my pizza, I mean, I would say it's rooted in the Neapolitan tradition. I don't really know anymore where that even falls because, you know, the the pizza in Naples has evolved a lot too in the last few years. You know, there's a big movement uh, in making pizza in in Italy now that's got more of a puffier crust, which is called the cornicione, um, which is what we've been doing for quite a few years, which happened for me purely out of accident, honestly. Um, my pizza in New Jersey and then in the East Village tended to really be going in a direction of what I would consider back then, like very, very traditional Neapolitan pizza, although it was naturally leavened, which has always been, you know, kind of not really what was going on in Naples. That was sort of my own twist on what my idea of what it was, you know, thousands of years ago. But the overall approach, the, you know, the way it was formed, the way it looked, the way I baked it, the way I topped it was very rooted in old school, you know, pizza Napolitana. As it evolved for me, um, and in California when I was out there, the pizza just started to kind of take on a slightly different life. And just maybe from the way that I opened it or the air there, the, the, the crust started to get much more puffy and wild and kind of out of control. And I sort of just went with it <clears throat> and have embraced it and, it's become sort of the, the where I'm at with it now over the last few years, too. And it's very, very difficult to pull that off. Um, and that's what we at the pizzeria, my pizza makers with me, 
you know, we, that's our big struggle every day is like, how do we bake a puffy wild crust that's still thoroughly baked, you know, and trying to get it to be light and super digestible along with it still being sourdough. We don't refrigerate our dough. So I don't know, I would say it's rooted in Naples and it's gone on to take its own life. As I would say, many, many guys in, in Naples and in Italy are also kind of going through right now. A lot of the younger folks over there who have, you know, generations of pizza making behind them have kind of also gone off onto this other path of like, how do we play with the dough? How do we play around with fermentation? How do we mix flours? And, you know, I, I love to have rules when it comes to learning. Um, but then I like once you have the basics and you understand them thoroughly, that's when I think you can step out of that and start to really fly and find your own identity. For example, in jazz music, you know, if you want to get to play free jazz, first you have to learn how to play the chords and then you get to where you don't play on the chords. Um, and I feel like it's like that in food and in many things. I mean, when you get to that free form where you can start to really express yourself, I think the only way to really get to that and truly get what you're supposed to out of that is to first learn the basics and really understand them and work through them and pay your dues through them. And I guess that's sort of where we're at at Una right now. Yeah, no, that's that makes a lot of sense. And um, I was thinking I've 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 had some some pizza clients over the years. And recently I, I worked with a Sorbillo from from Naples. When they opened in New in the city in New York City with uh, Gino Sorbillo, and uh, it was amazing to meet him and get to work with him. So, yeah, he's uh, a legend. He's a legend. Um, yeah, and too, like you know, like they they push it and they keep evolving, and you know, even even people like that, you know, aesthetically, like w the way they open and make their restaurants look, continue to change and stuff. I mean, you know, I actually ate at his family's pizzeria when I was a little kid, more than once in Naples. And the, I, the place literally was like, oh my God, it was, you'd walk in, it was an oven and it was a counter and it was like three tables along a wall and that was it. It was literally the size of a closet. And then eventually he opened that one on the same street in Naples, like two doors down from where his family's was. And, you know, and began that, that the path that he's on now. It's amazing. Yeah, I, it's amazing. And I would I would love I would love to to go to his place there. And you were recently in Italy, right? Um, yes, I just came back. Uh, uh, I, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I studied in Florence when I was in college. And so I've traveled a bit around and I, I love Italy, but I haven't been back in several years. So I was I was jealous. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I was so I haven't been in three years. I used to go a lot um, and it was great to be back there. I mean, it was obviously really an interesting, probably once in a lifetime, hopefully once in a lifetime for the world, but uh, yeah. experience to be over there on the tail end of everything with the COVID stuff. Um, it was crazy that it was, the airports were deserted, the hotels were deserted. Um, Rome was completely empty of tourists. So just such a bizarre 
Yeah. Wow. Also super interesting experience, you know, I mean, so yeah, it was good. I, I had some great pizza when I was over there. Also some, some younger guys that really are pushing it with, again, like I was saying, ingredients and, you know, a lot of Italy in the pizza world for many years had kind of just gotten really stagnant where the old guard had kind of had this mentality of like, you know, we're in Italy, our pizza's the best and that's the end of it. And they didn't evolve or even stay on top. I think of the ingredients they were using or the efforts or anything. And so it's really beautiful now to see these young guys just coming at it with a lot of heart and, and a lot of intelligence. Yeah, that's wonderful. Let me ask you my question from my last guest on episode 289. I had on Brian Bistrong. He's the corporate executive chef at the Cornell Companies, the Park, and the culinary program director at the Park's hospitality group, Table and Banter. So he wants to know, how long did it take you to develop your dough, and how do you have to change it with the seasons and temperature? Um, he noted that during this past year in the pandemic, he was uh, working on making some pizza dough himself. So, And you kind of wow. touched on this a little bit when you're talking about um, going out to San Francisco. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, honestly, I have never stopped trying to figure out the dough. I you know, I think as you get older, you sort of lose your ego a little bit or your edge and mm -hmm. you start to become almost more, more questioning of yourself. Like, you know, youth is a great tool for being able to come at things and be like, I'm the best and nobody knows more than me and I got it all figured out. And as I get older, I am more and more you know, of the mindset of like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing and I keep trying to figure it out. So I, I just am constantly changing the dough recipe, constantly changing everything, the flour mixture, the percentage of starter, the, you know, the salt, everything. And in hopes to keep not only learning and it keeps it super interesting, but, you know, I'm chasing this idea of like what I hope the pizza could be. And, it rarely, uh, it rarely hits that mark. And when it does, I got to tell you, I feel fantastic for like 15 minutes. <laughs> and then <the> <laughs> is crap. Oh, but, you're so hard on yourself. <laughs> you know, but it's nice when it happens. Then I don't remember what I did because I keep changing everything so much. I'm like, oh, man, the pizza came out good tonight. I don't remember what I did this morning. So funny. I'm wondering if your regulars, like the people you were saying from the, the, the beginning back in when you were first in Jersey, uh, do people ever uh, notice a difference or like call you out on, on something different with the dough and the pizza? Um, you know, here and there, but mostly, uh, you know, a little bit. I mean, you know, there's so many factors that go into it, though, even when you're dealing with the wood-fired oven, that then it might be that, like, they're going to notice that the oven charred it a little bit more. Um, so there's always – there's so many fluctuations going on within already. Um, I would say, honestly, not too many people call me out on it. Right. It's more, yeah. I think, me just, like, running around <laughs> after my own tail like, like a nut. <gasps> Okay, I, I hear you. So um, so tell me, how how's this, I mean, how are you doing? How's this last year been? It's, I mean, it's been 
hard, I know. Um, and you've you you've moved around a bit. Be, uh, you're back now. You have a new place in New Jersey. And as someone who lives in New York City, I'm dying to know if if and when you're going to be opening your New York City location again. Yeah. Well, oh, thanks. Thanks for asking. Um, yeah. I mean, we're definitely going to reopen New York City. Um, we're doing a little bit of a refurb in there, which I'm super, super excited about. Um, there's a bunch of little things that we never had the chance to do when we first opened, as anybody listening knows that's in this this world of restaurants. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're on the when you're down to the wire and trying to get something open, you really, you know, I think of it almost like when you go for a big road trip and you start out with all these grand ideas of let's do this detour, let's do that detour. And by the time you get halfway across the country, you're like Oh, the Grand Canyon, it's 15 minutes out of the way. You're like, screw it, we don't need to see it this time. That's sort of how it is when you're opening a restaurant. You start like skipping things that you just can't get through because you got to get open. And so there's cosmetically things that I want to do. So we're going to probably reopen New York uh, in September-ish. Um, and we'll we'll give everybody a, a nice little heads up before the before the actual real real date. But somewhere around end of August, September, um, me and my me and my group, my team, my guys that have been with me um, that I love, uh, we're all excited. You know, it was kind of interesting. It was a it was obviously a rough year uh, for all of us uh, in in every field, not just restaurants. I mean, in all walks of life, and even for people who don't have jobs, like in their own homes, I think we're you know alone and stuff. But um, for us guys at Una, we, you know, it was interesting because we, we ended up like, I have my guys come down to New Jersey now and work with me down here. And it's been like a fun kind of way of almost just being disconnected and just being down in New Jersey. And like, you know, at the end of last summer, they were like going out kayaking and like biking and I'm mountain biking all the time. And we're like just living a slightly different lifestyle. And we almost needed it. I think we're all really ready to get back up there and really bring, we, you know, we talk about it a lot and I think we've, we've learned a lot over this year uh, as far as making pizza and just nuances and details because of not having people inside the restaurant, you know, you just have more time to focus on the actual part of the cooking and the, and all that internal stuff and less on the, on the, on the table service stuff in front of the house which is just as important, but it just kind of gave us, I think, a new perspective on a lot. And we really, we really, really want to open back up in New York and bring something to the city that, you know, just really touches people deeply when they come into place. That's the goal. It's about really bringing like some serious amount of love to the table when you come into the restaurant from the food to the way we treat people, to every every little nuance and detail. And that is going to be the goal for all of us in there. And, you know, and now it's trying to build up a little bit more of a team so that we're all on the same page. Yeah, no, that's, um, well, I'm looking forward to the fall. That's exciting. And, and now you have two places. So that's, that's uh are you going to be commuting back and forth or or i mean well i know oh go ahead no no yeah i don't know yet i don't know about that because you know i don't want to say 
anything one way or the other because I don't right. know. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do yet. You know, I really, I don't know. I'm trying to figure that okay. out. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm always torn because I, I really, I really need to give myself to the place, whichever place it is. So I'm very torn right now. I'm definitely not like somebody who's built for scale. <laughs> that well, I'm, I'm, I mean, from the things I know about you and do it, you know, that you, you know, all the, well, I don't make pizzas, but, um, that you, the amount of pizzas you make and doing things yourself, I'm a very much a do it myself type of a person. So I, I, there's things I can relate to. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah. and also and, I feel like it gives, you know, like I, I've always, I've just always felt like, you know, when people come into the restaurant, like, and they're going to spend their money, I just feel like I got to give it, you know, it's, I feel a huge responsibility if somebody's choosing to eat the pizza and choosing to come in and choosing to spend their time there. Like, so I've, I, you know, if I'm, you know, if I'm not there, then I feel like I'm not really giving them my all, um, you know, and that doesn't mean that I need to make every pizza because like I said, I have, you know, uh, two guys with me that are amazing, amazing pizza makers and bring a level of love and commitment to it that can't be beat. So I'm extremely proud to, you know, have them as coworkers and stuff and be there with me. But just even just being there and being in the space and being able to give myself to it when we're open is, uh, you know, try, I try to make that a priority in my life, along with still being a dad and everything else, you know. Yeah, no, that's that's great. And when I was at your your lower um, your lower east side location, it was back when you had a partnership with with Fabio and Jeremiah. So that's yes. this new version is going to be different. I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean, well, we kind of ran it. Uh, you know, we we our partnership adjusted pretty quickly after we opened, and we sort of slowly evolved. You know to where it was going to end up. And so it would be, it would be sort of the way it was right before the pandemic. Um, and it'll just be a, a hopefully the best version of what we can offer, uh, going forward when we reopen. And then obviously too, the aesthetics, um, are going to be a lot different. Um, so that, that I'm really excited about, uh, just on the visual when you come in and to experience it. Yeah. Well, cool. So before we take a break, one more question. I have to ask you about this, uh, this regular, regular appearances you're doing on Billions. I mean, did you think back in the day when your mom's driving you around <laughs> checking out pizzerias that you would one day be on, on Showtime um, uh, as a TV star? <laughs> I like that TV star. I'm going to have to tell them that. That's how I'm being called from now on. I want a yeah. better trailer. You hear me, Brian? <laughs> I need a nice trailer and a, I don't know, whatever. You heard it here. <laughs> I need a fruit plate in the trailer waiting for me. <laughs> I mean, what, what's it been like? What's your experience been like? Because that's like, I mean, not not a lot of people are pizza, uh, pizziolo, I think, of yeah. on like no sherry yeah i mean it's so crazy like i mean that obviously is an extreme version of everything but my whole life i feel like i've been so just blessed and i'm so full of gratitude you know 
for everything. And I mean, ultimately, all I want to do is make the pizza great. So everything else is like having whipped cream on my banana split. Um, but yeah, it's been crazy. I mean, I don't know what else to say about it. I mean, the, the, they're an amazing group of people, uh, Brian and David that created the show and, and, you know, run it amazing, amazing men. Um, they've, they've been so kind to me and generous and they're really a talent and the whole, I mean, the whole cast is amazing. The crew, they're just like a beautiful group of people, like all working for the goal of making this really awesome show. Um, and yeah, I never expected to see anything like this. Um, and I've had some fun experiences on it and, you know, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, you know. Yeah, I don't know what else to say about it. It's been crazy. No, that's, that's that's wonderful, and I'll, I mean, I don't I don't know them, but I'll say they have great taste in food. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because, yeah, I mean, the, the I know that I know they love um, Lilia, like Missy Robbins' place, and so it's um, I, I I'm I feel like they're I I could be I, I like to dine out with with Brian and <laughs> yeah yeah I mean he's. He is truly somebody who loves and understands and respects food and really wants to support it. And, you know, it's beautiful. I mean, what else can he ask for? You know, I mean, um, and it's awesome that the show over the years has featured so many cool New York spots like Peter Luger's, too, which, you know, I love Peter Luger's. It's one of my favorite places on Earth. Um yeah, I mean, just you know, he's he's an amazing guy. The whole the whole gang. Yeah, well, congratulations to you yeah. and them. And everything it's very cool. Yeah. All right, we're, we're gonna take a little break. We'll come back and we'll play my speed round game. I'll have my solo dining experience and the final questions. So, at the end of the show, we'll also have my industry news segment from the South Beach Wine and Food Festival. So, stay with us. This is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. Did you know that 40% of food is unused or wasted at farmer's markets? And did you know that imperfect or bruised fruits and vegetables are 100% perfect for making cocktail syrups? Let me introduce you to our past guest from episode 288, Adam Fournier, the world-class U.S. Bartender of the Year. Adam has an innovative new project called So Fresh and So Glean. It encourages bartenders to adopt their local farmer's markets, repurpose the unusable produce, create micro-seasonal cocktail syrups, and raise awareness around food insecurity and reducing waste in our bars and venues. To learn more about So Fresh and So Glean, visit diagiobaracademy.com. Diageo Bar Academy is a free online resource for hospitality professionals, offering resources for bartenders, bar managers, and venue owners. Stay informed, inspired, and connected to grow your career or business by joining Diageo Bar Academy today. Visit diageobaracademy.com. That's D-I-A-G-E-O baracademy.com. Become a member and sign up for the newsletter today. It's completely free 
and you will be amazed at all they have to offer. That's D-I-A-G-E-O baracademy.com. Restaurants across the country are reopening. And for restaurant owners, it's more important than ever to focus on your guest's experience. That's why I recommend Pop Menu, which gives you the marketing tools to turn new guests into happy regulars. Pop Menu transforms your restaurant's online presence on your website with dynamic, user-friendly menu technology, including real-time menu updates. And Pop Menu is more than just an online menu. It's an all-in-one set of digital tools that helps strengthen the relationship between you and your customer. Pop Menu enables you to cater your website to your guests, whether they want to order online and get delivery or dine in person with contactless menus. Plus, with Pop Menu's remarketing tools, you can eliminate third-party platforms and stay top of mind with your guests. So if you're a restaurant owner, start using Pop Menu today. For a limited time, you can get $100 off your first month, plus lock in an unchanging monthly rate at popmenu.com hrn. Go now to get $100 off your first month at popmenu.com hrn. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Anthony Mangieri. He's the chef and owner of Una Pizza Napolitana. He's known as the Pizza Pope, which before we play my speed round, Anthony, I have to ask you this. When did when did you get dubbed the Pizza Pope? Oh, my God. You know, that thing, like, is, I don't even know. I'm not, I'm not like, you know, I don't know. Uh, it happened... Uh, <laughs> when they wrote an article about us reopening in New Jersey. And it was funny. I didn't know it came out. Quick little funny story. I, it had come out and I walked in to the restaurant in the Lower East Side. And um, it was right before service. And it's a long restaurant if you've been in. Um, and as I entered the front door, they all planned this thing. It was kind of hilarious. And as I walked through everybody, like the whole staff, all started like doing like this sign of the cross or bowing right up to the back as I got to the oven where the manager was standing. And he said something like, you know, your, your, your Pope or whatever, whatever he said, I was like, Oh my God. So I'm, I don't know. <laughs> I'm Catholic also. So it's, you know, it's not good. I hope this doesn't put any points against me when, uh, when I pass away and they're like, who are you think you are saying you're the Pope? <laughs> Oh, okay. All good. All good. I appreciate the story behind it a little bit there. <laughs> so, um, and it's cool. I don't know. I think it's cool. Okay. So speed round game. Um, what this is, is I'm going to name a couple things and you, you get to pick your preference such as chocolate or vanilla. You ready? Okay. Ready. Okay. Eat in or eat out. Eat out. Wine, beer, cocktail, mocktail, or champagne? Mocktail or water. All righty. Tasting menu or a la carte? Uh, a la carte. Small plates or large plates? Large plates. Communal table or chef's counter? Ooh. Uh, 
Chef's counter. How about tipping or all-inclusive charge? Tipping. Square or round? If you know what round. I'm talking about. <laughs> like Pizzas. I'm sorry, I missed that. I said like the earth. Okay. <laughs> Pineapple on pizza or no thank you? Pineapple on pizza with prosciutto cotto and mozzarella di bufala. I love, I love that you're so specific on that. That's awesome. Okay, two more. Cheese plate or dessert? Dessert. Manhattan or Brooklyn? Or Manhattan. Okay. I was going to say you're somewhere in Jersey. <laughs> we'll go with Manhattan. Awesome. That's the game. Nice. So um, industry news this week, I'm doing at the end of the show, I have a special segment with Mike Puma of Gothenburger Social Club from the Food Network and Cooking Channel South Beach Wine and Food Festival presented by Capital One, which took place May 20th to 23rd in South Beach. So stay tuned for that. I'm going to jump ahead for my solo dining experience this week, and it's at Abba Tel Avivian Kitchen. So here's the rundown. The location, 864 Commerce Street, South Beach, Florida. The area is known as South of Fifth. The concept is a family-run modern Tel Avivian kitchen focusing on a healthier style of cooking, the rich flavors of Israel, Turkey, Greece, and Colombia. The chef is Samuel Gorenstein. So why did I go? Well, I was down for the South Beach Wine Food Festival, and I'd heard about this place. It recently opened, and it sounded fabulous. So my experience. Um, well, I actually met their publicist um, near the beginning of the festival, and he offered to make a lunch reservation for me, uh, Larry Carino. And so Larry made a, this reservation for me, which was really nice and wonderful. Um, I arrived, I waited a couple minutes for my table, and then I was seated in their lovely patio up front. Uh, great food and service. I was able to meet the chef when I went into the restaurant, and um, he was working the line, and it was... Uh, it was quite. It was. It was quite a happening place. Uh, definitely a, a busy lunch scene. It was nice to see them. Them um, busy. Uh, so I chatted also with the the man, the manager Manuel, who um, told me he had recently moved down to Miami from New York City and had a bunch of restaurant experience up here. So that was cool. So I had a good time. What did I get? I got their small tahini hummus which came with pita, and I thought it was going to come with their fire-baked Jerusalem bagel, but the small size came with the pita. So I ended up uh, asking if I could get this bagel because it looked so delicious, and the the manager sent it out to me. So I had my carbs, which was fabulous. Um, and I also got a fatouche salad with falafel, and I got their iced latte with soy milk. So my take, I loved it all. The hummus was really delicious. The bagel was as I said, worth asking for, very fluffy and fresh. Uh, the salad was beautiful, lots of veggies. The falafel was really tasty and the latte was gorgeous. And I typically don't get soy milk in, in lattes, but that's that was one of the offerings they had and it was really, really delicious. So um, the ambiance, it's a quaint patio with tables and and some more loungy seats. It has lots of greenery. It was, it was a nice a nice setting. And as I said, it was pretty happening. Uh, the perf I'd say it's perfect for breakfast or lunch with friends. 
as the dishes are good for sharing. Interesting tidbit, the name Abba means father in English, and the restaurant comes from two fathers joining forces on the restaurant concept. Personal fun fact, um, I was staying nearby at the Urbanica, the Meridian Hotel, uh, so I conveniently walked to my lunch. A, a lot happening down south of Fifth. There's also Carbone in that area, and this is where Joe's Stone Crab is. So um, that's a little a little take on South Beach down there. It's definitely more, um, more happening. I mean, Joe's has been there forever, but um, anyways, new places are opening. The cost of this meal was $34. That's not including tax and an automatic 18% gratuity, which all the restaurants in South Beach put automatic gratuity on your bill. So be aware of that if you are unaware now. Uh, would I go back? Yes. Next time I'll try breakfast. And their website is abbatlvkitchen.com. And ABBA is with two Bs, A-B-B-A. There we go. Um, Anthony, have you have you been down to Miami recently or South Beach? No, no, I haven't been to Florida in years. <laughs> Does, any desire to go down and work on your tan or your you know, there's I, been a lot, love a to lot get of a tan. I'm ready for a tan. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was gonna say there's also there's a lot of uh, pizza places have opened down there from from New York City. Um I, I think it's a different market. Yeah, you know the yeah. Miami hotel. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I, I would totally go down there. Yeah, well, um, if you go, I'd say, and you're 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 not feeling you need a pizza for a meal, you could check out this uh, Abba restaurant. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I love <laughs> food. Yeah. So, okay. So it's time for the final question. My next guest is Fanny Gerson. She's the chef and founder of La New Yorkina, which is a Mexican ice cream and sweets company and Fan Fan Donuts in New York City. So Anthony, can you ask a question for Fanny? Sure. Um, you know, I was thinking about it and I wondered um, how she got interested in donuts and if there's like a, a donut kind of culture in Mexican cuisine and what the connection between donuts and the churros are, and if it's a, if it's more difficult to make churros or donuts. Oh, wow. Good questions. Uh, I'm going to find out. I, I, I went out to her new place, uh, Fan Fan Donuts a couple months ago and her donuts are so good. It's kind of dangerous to, to visit because you want one of everything. <laughs> I'm going to have to go. I love donuts. I have a huge sweet tooth in general. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, bad. it's a bad problem. Yeah. Pizza and donuts. Let's do it. <laughs> nice. That's a good idea. Yeah, so that's the show. Oh, well, it's not. It's our end of the show. We're gonna. I'm gonna come back at the end. I, as I said, I have um, my industry news segment. My special guest is Mike Puma, the founder of Gotham Burger Social Club and the winner of the Burger Bash at the South Beach Wine and Food Festival. So, stay tuned for that. We're coming back. But thank you so much, Anthony. I love chatting with you, and I wish you much continued success. Thanks so much. I I really appreciate that. And I'll see you in New York City, maybe in the fall. Yeah, sounds <laughs> great. Or come on down to New Jersey. Yeah, I actually. How? Uh, just quick question. How far? What's what's? How far are you from? Let's say you know Midtown Manhattan. 
Well, you can take the ferry from Midtown on 35th Street, and it brings you right to the Highlands, New Jersey, in like under an hour. Um, and then we're right there. Or you can drive. The drive tends to be about an hour and 10. Wow. No, I love the idea of a ferry because yes, every time I take a ferry around around the city, I, I it reminds me how much I like ferry transportation. Do it. Do it. Do it's it awesome. more. The ferry ride is amazing. It goes under the Verrazano Bridge. It goes past the Statue of Liberty and then comes all the way down and does along the whole length of the Sandy Hook Island. It's, it's really awesome. And then you get down here and you can go for a hike. There's a great forest to hike. And we're open uh, in the Atlantic Highlands Friday, Saturday, and Sunday from 2 o'clock in the afternoon until sold out. Oh, awesome. I, I foresee a possible um, summertime adventure for me. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Okay. Well, thanks again. And everyone stay with us. We'll be right back. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. So hi, I'm with Mike Puma. He is the founder of Gotham Burger Social Club. Welcome to my all in the industry South Beach Wine and Food Festival, uh, I guess, edition um, from for 2021. Well, it's so. great to be here. Thanks for having me in today. So for my listeners that might not be familiar with what you do, uh, can you give us a little background with uh, Gothenburger? Sure. So the, the club, when it started, was a way to get together a bunch of friends and we'd go and rate burgers all over New York City try some of the best ones. We found a lot of the lists to be dated and not really reliable. So we gave kind of a fresh new approach to uh, giving people some information about burgers out there. Um, in the last couple of years, we started doing some fundraisers uh, as a group, raising money for different organizations. And one of the fundraisers, we started doing a smash burger. And it's kind of taken on a life of its own now. And that smash burger has actually brought me to Miami this weekend for a burger bash for the Food and Wine Festival. So, but explain that. Explain that a little further, because you were tasting burgers, and then what do you mean we decided to do a smash burger? Yeah, so I mean, after tasting, you know, probably over a thousand burgers, you kind of narrow into what you really like and what you don't like. And this was a smash burger with onions, uh, melted cheese, you know, really straightforward, but a very nostalgic flavor on the burger. Um, and when we did some fundraisers, I think the first one was for Social Tea's Animal Rescue. Uh, they thought it would be really great to do this burger, and then we got asked more and more to do this burger. People were loving it. The lines were, you know, a couple hours long. Uh, and then during the pandemic, uh, a couple of bar owners started reaching out as ways to get people to their bars. They asked me to come and do, do our burger pop-up. Well, I've been to your burger pop-up, uh, I think, more than one in New York City, and I've had your burger, and it's fabulous. So you definitely after all your tasting, figured out how to create a delicious burger. It's a burger that I love and I'm glad that other people do as well. Um, it's, we try and use the best ingredients we can find. Uh, the technique has to be correct to get that, that flavor, that sear, that Maillard reaction on the beef. Um, and we have fun doing it. I mean, if, you've ever, if anybody's ever been to one of our pop-ups, it's, it's a party. I mean, you know, I hate to use the word vibe, but it is a vibe. And people will come and they'll hang out all day and day drink and 
most people will come and eat more than one burger in a sitting. You know, they'll come and do another lap and be like, I, I need another one. Single and double? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We had, I think the record is I had one guy come back for six burgers over the course of the, of the day. Came back six times. Wow. I can do my single and then I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> so this is your first South Beach Wine and Food Festival participating? Actually second. Uh, we collaborated with Pig Beach last year. Um, so it was great to come back this year. Uh, you know, we heard from a lot of fans that uh, we were robbed last year and that, you know, they thought ours was the best. And that's always a great feeling to hear from people. You know, um, I never feel like we were robbed. I think it's a great, you know, contest. Uh, brings out the best in a lot of people. Um, but yeah, so, you know, this was uh, kind of like a little bit of redemption to come back and, and see if we can win it. Uh, and we won the second round of People's Choice. It's amazing. Well, and this year was a bit different because... There were two sessions, which in the past has always just been one. And I was in the first session. You didn't You didn't do too shabby in the first either. No, no, we didn't. Um, we did win in the first session uh, a prize from Heinz Ketchup. Um, so that was a, an honor. Uh, but, yeah, it was exciting. This year being a little bit smaller, it was a little bit more intimate. It was nice that we could actually maybe engage a little bit more with some of the, the people voting for us and coming over and having our burger, which was really difficult to do in the past. You know, in the past year just getting out burgers as fast as possible to four or 5,000 people. Um, so the two sessions were nice this year. That was a, a nice opportunity for anybody, I think, who came to the, the festival this year. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, not, not having made burgers, but just participating, just that there was a, a little more room under the tent and, and time to chat. Yeah, so. yeah the lines weren't as long. Um, and that's always a big thing for people. You know, nobody wants to wait on long lines. No. So how many burgers did you make? Oh, God. Um, probably a little over a thousand. Wow. And you and when well, you we had a strong team, so it's, it wasn't just me, uh, a real strong team with Pig Beach. Um, and some of my people from New York came down as well and helped us. So it, it was great. I mean, once we got into that flow, they were just it was almost effortless. They were just coming right off the line. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Very Thank exciting. You. So what's the future look like with uh, your burger? Are you going to keep doing pop-up? We'll definitely keep doing pop-ups because I really enjoy them and it's a great way to connect with a lot of your fans and followers and just unbelievable people that have supported us over the year. I mean, I look back over the last year what we did during the pandemic. I cooked burgers on the Lower East Side when it was 95 degrees and humid out and I cooked burgers when it was 20 degrees outside. And those same people showed up week after week after week and sold us out of burgers. It was incredible. Um, so I think the demand is there now to look at maybe a permanent location. Uh, and currently looking at talking to some partners that have that restaurant experience that could take this to the next level. Well, I'm excited about that. I hope the location's in New York City. Oh, it will be. It will be. Although a lot of people in Miami are telling me I need to open up a place in Miami. So it would be a natural fit to open up first in New York, get our feet wet, and then start to branch out because this could be something that could definitely be scalable. Yeah. So do you think this is turning into your, or is it turning into your full-time gig? Because I know you... It isn't right no, now. No, no, no. I have a full-time job. Um, we'll see what the future holds. I'm not, I'm not making any decisions yet. Okay. So what about, uh, what else have you been doing down here at the festival? Uh, a lot of pool time, a lot of beach time. Uh, there were some great other events. I know the barbecue event is always a fun one to go to. Uh, I saw Carbone killed at the first night uh, with an event. Uh, and the chef's party last night, that was always a lot of fun. There was some great food and drink there last night. Yeah, definitely. So, um, any other final words about 
the festival yeah, or the future uh, of burgers? <laughs> for me, I think uh, now I'm looking forward uh, to the New York Wine and Food Festival, and let's see what happens there. Are, are you... I haven't been invited yet, but if I get invited, I will participate, absolutely. That, that would be an honor and very exciting to do it in our hometown. Okay, people, if you're listening, New York City Wine and Food Festival people, we have a contender. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's always a pleasure to work with Pat uh, LaFrida and that whole crew up north. So, um, yeah, I think Miami proved that you can do the festival safely um, and that things are back. So uh, I'm excited to see what happens in October. Yeah, me too. And absolutely, it was um, a wonderful, wonderful event, wonderful weekend. So, and really great to see you. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. And thank you so much for having me on today. Thank you. See you back in New York. Great. And that's my live coverage from the Food Network and Cooking Channel South Beach Wine and Food Festival presented by Capital One, which took place May 20th to 23rd in South Beach, Florida. This event typically takes place in late February. They pushed it back this year till May due to COVID. And it was the first big festival to come back since the pandemic. And I have to say, it was quite something. It was quite spectacular seamlessly executed as usual, and um, it was great to be a part of it. This was the festival's 20th anniversary, which is a huge milestone. I've been attending this event over the years. I've been umpteenth times. I, I haven't been counting, uh, but I, I'm, I'm usually there. Um, I'm, I guess, kind of a regular as Miami's my hometown, so I usually go down for it, and I, I love being a part of, and and supporting and seeing my industry friends who who execute this event. And that includes Devin Padgett and Randy Fisher of Cream and Brett Friedman of Agency 21, who are all past guests of the show. And they work so hard with their teams to make this festival seem seamless. And they always are having a great time too. Um, also, uh, of course, a big shout out to founder and director Lee Brian Schrager, who was my guest on 287. Um, I saw Lee down there and um, it was great to see him and, and again, be a part of this festival weekend. Um, some, some more highlights for you guys. Uh, on Thursday, I went to the Carbone Fine Food presents Italian Bites on the Beach, and this was hosted by Jada de la Rentes, and um, Carbone was the headliner. This uh, We've talked about in the show how Carbone Restaurant has, has now opened down in Miami, and um, it was good to see them there and lots of industry friends as well. Uh, I saw a few of my publicist friends at this event, and Drew Nieperant was down, and uh, the weather was outstanding. We really lucked out. So it was wonderful to be on the beach in the open air and to be reunited with so many industry people. Um, you know, it's been so long since we've all been together. So it was really special. On Friday night, I was back at the tent. On Friday was the Burger Bash. And this is the Heineken Burger Bash presented by Schweid and Sons and hosted by Bobby Flay. And uh, it was great to see Jamie Schweid, who's uh, also a past guest of this show, and they, they sponsored the Burger Bash. And uh, this, of course, is where Mike Puma won uh, the burger competition for Gotham Burger Social Club and Pig Beach. And uh, as he knows, he got my vote. And I really love his burger. Uh, if you guys get a chance, go 
go check it out. Grab, get a burger when he doesn't pop up and we'll see if he, he opens something else soon. I think he is going to, I have a feeling. Um, so, and you can follow him at Gotham Burger Social Club on Instagram. I guarantee you his account will make you hungry. Um, also, let's see, Saturday night, I went to the, a, the Tribute Dinner, which was honoring Jada De Laurentiis and Eduardo M. Sardina. It was hosted by Emilio and Emily Estefan. It was at the Lowe's Hotel. It was really lovely. It was outdoors in their backyard. Uh, they had a reception, and then it was a, a, a four or five course tasting menu. Uh, each each course was by a different chef. Uh, of course, I'm recalling the fabulous dessert by Alex Garnaschelli, which was this wonderful chocolate dessert, very decadent, um, and it was great, great to be there for that. Um, I also hit some after parties. I I went to my friend Chef JJ Johnson's party at the Soho House, and also to the chef's after party at the Good Time Hotel, which is a new hotel, and it definitely um, stands up to its name. It's definitely a good time. Um, all of the events at the festival were outside and there was, there was, you know, good COVID protocol being practiced with SIM check and temperature check and sanitizing stations. And, um, you know, it felt, even though the capacity of the events was less than in the past, it still had really good energy. And, um, it's almost like you wouldn't have known there was a pandemic, but almost, I mean, we were still people who still had masks and, um, you know, some social distancing, but overall it was, um, it was, it was kind of like we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and uh, bringing everyone together and being able to celebrate good food and wine together. Um, big shout out to Autumn Lewis at the door who helped set up my interview with Lee and, um, with, uh, everything, my involvement with the festivals and, um, Everyone at Sobe Wine and Food Festival involved. I mean, there's lots of you, and I, I, I just know how much it takes to, to do an event. So congratulations. For anyone who wants to learn more, go check out their photos. Their website is sobewff.org, social media, S-O-B-E-W-F-F-E-S-T. That's S-O-B-E-W-F-F-E-S-T on Instagram and hashtag S-O-B-E-W-F-F. And so that's a wrap on that. Big thanks to my guest today, Anthony Mangieri, a.k.a. The Pizza Pope, and a New York City premier pizza maker with his restaurant, Una Pizza Napolitana, which is now open in Atlantic Highlands, New Jersey. I can't wait till he reopens in New York City. I'm a huge fan. I love his pizza and um, I miss it. So either that, either I'm going to wait for it to open or uh, maybe I'll take a little trip out to New Jersey or maybe both. Um, thanks to his publicist, Sky Morgan. And again, thanks to Anthony. Uh, his website is unapizza.com. At social media, that's unapizzanapolitana and at Anthony underscore W underscore Mangieri. On social media, you can follow me at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, and at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. My website is BayerPublicRelations.com, SherryBayer.com, and AllInTheIndustry.com. 
All of our shows are archived at heritageradionetwork.org. We are also on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Thanks to my engineer, Amanda Wang, and thanks to all of you for listening. I'm Sherry Bayer. I'll be back next week with a new show. I hope you'll tune in then. Stay safe and well. And once again, thank you for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. All in the Industry is powered by Simplecast. I'm Sherry Bayer, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network, a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, HRN is celebrating 10 years of food radio. For the past decade, we've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias, and more. It's been 10 years, and we're just getting started. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org.